Hey, good morning. Welcome to Westbridge, and uh, it's awesome to have you with us. I want to say hello to everybody joining us on our online campus as well. And uh, I hope that you can see me this morning. Dad joke. Come on, got to start the day with a good dad joke. Every time I wear anything camouflage, I say this to my kids, like, hey, I'm probably just a floating head. You won't be able to see me today. Somebody came in and said, oh, I didn't see you there. I said, oh, probably, I understand why. So anyways, glad you're joining us. Uh, we are in week two of a series called um, Summer Playlist. And throughout the summer, we're going to have different artists, different speakers, different people, different voices. Uh, this is my second week, but next week we have somebody else speaking, somebody else the week after that. It's going to be a lot of fun. So glad you're here. And uh, when my kids were younger, we used to take them, uh, my youngest is actually going to be seven this summer, but my other three, when they were younger, we would take them sometimes to have birthday parties at Chuck E. Cheese. And if it's been a while since you've been to Chuck E. Cheese, you need to know that the theme song for Chuck E. Cheese is Where a Kid Can Be a Kid. What they should change that theme song to is Heaven for Kids, Hell for Adults. (laughs) Because I'm telling you what, their mascot is a seven-foot-tall animatronic rat. All right? Talk about, like, giving you nightmares. Uh, It's quite the experience. You can play games for 10 straight hours, earn 20,000 tickets, and go home with a whistle or a Chinese finger trap. All right? It's incredible. But one of the all-time classic games at Chuck E. Cheese is this game called Whack-A-Mole. And everybody knows this game, right? You whack the mole and another mole pops up and so you try to whack that one and another one pops up and you hit that one and two more pop up. You you try to smack those and three more pop up and you're just trying to earn as many tickets as you can by smacking the mole, whack a mole, whack a mole, whack a mole. And uh, it's amazing for a lot of us, that's how we end up making decisions in life. We end up being very reactive instead of trying to discover what is it that God wants us to do. And we we react in the emotion of the moment and we end up unintentionally sometimes living seasons of our life like whack-a-mole. Just trying to handle all the things that life is throwing at us and life just keeps throwing other things and we're just reacting, reacting, reacting and oftentimes not living the way that God wants us to live. Oftentimes our game resembles a game of whack-a-mole. But that is not really a picture of maturity. In fact, uh, Paul writes to a group of people living in the city of Ephesus, and he writes to them about what spiritual maturity looks like. And he says this, then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. And I think sometimes in our own spiritual journeys, we buy into this idea and we buy into that idea and we're reacting and we're not really living the way God wants us to live. And I can remember uh, even growing up, all of us, if we think back to our growing up years, probably have some things that we thought were true, but they ended up being myths as we got older and we realized that wasn't actually true at all. Like when I was a kid, I was told that if you drink, uh, if you eat Pop Rocks, the candy Pop Rocks, and then drink Coca-Cola, that there will be a chemical reaction and you will implode. I learned later that was a myth. I was not going to experiment with that when I was a kid. I was too, too scared to do that. Uh, maybe you heard this one. If you go swimming within 30 minutes of eating, you're going to get a cramp and probably drown. Maybe some of you still think that. It's not true. Not true at all. You can eat and go swimming. You'll be fine. Uh, I was told this, if you swallow your gum, it stays in your digestive system for seven years. I can remember first grade swallowing gum and being like, oh no. 
I'm going to be 14 before this gets out of my system, you know? Uh, a, a penny dropped from the Empire State Building. It reaches such a speed that if it hits someone, it will kill them. Not true. Here's a myth. Guys think about sex every 30 seconds. Ridiculous. It's every 10. It's a myth, right? Urban legends and myths don't just evolve in our culture. They also evolve in the church. And so the reason they evolve is because they make sense. They seem logical. They don't sound stupid. But if you dig beneath the surface, you start to realize, man, when I, when I really try to put that into practice and it bumps into real life, it just doesn't work. And so today I want to talk about one of these sort of myths that leads us to living life like it's a game of whack-a-mole instead of actually living in maturity the way that God wants us to. And it's this, this idea that somehow I've got to discover God's perfect will for my life. And uh, we, we have, when it comes to hearing the voice of God in our lives, I think all of us, regardless of where you're at in your spiritual journey, all of us would love to be able to say, man, I can clearly hear the, God, uh, the voice of God in my life. I can clearly hear what God wants me to do. I can clearly understand where God wants me to go. And it isn't a mystery. And I know what God's will is. If we could clearly hear the voice of God, we would be able to ask the important questions, right? Like, like where should I live? And who should I marry? And where should I go to college? And what career path should I take? And, uh, you know, who's going to win The Bachelor? And these kinds of questions. And, and if God just spoke to us clearly in an audible voice, it would make life so much simpler, wouldn't it? If we could just say, God, here's the question. And he'd say, yes, no, and just guide us in that way. And we get obsessed with these questions. If we could really hear God's voice clearly, we could ask all the most important questions. But sometimes, because God's voice doesn't seem clear to us, it doesn't feel like, okay, there's not this audible voice that I can hear where God's saying, do this and don't do that, and do this and don't do that. And most of the time, we end up in a fog, hoping that we've chosen the right path, hoping that we're in God's will. And the assumption that we tend to make is this. If life is going good and things are working out, then we must be in God's will, right? I mean, surely that means that God's somehow blessing our life and we must be right in the center of God's will, which is the reason why we don't talk much or think much about God's will when we're comfortable. Because we're just assuming that when we're comfortable, we're in the center of God's will. But when things are going bad, when we lose a job, when we lose a loved one, when someone betrays us, then all of a sudden we start to wonder, man, am I really living in God's will? Because if I'm living in God's will, if I'm doing life the way that God wants me to be doing life, surely these things shouldn't be happening to me. And then we start to pray and we ask God to fix our situation. And if we're not careful, we begin to try to determine what God's will is in some pretty unhealthy ways because uh, we make the assumption God is either for us or against us somehow based on our comfort. If, I'm, if things are going well and my situation is well and I'm comfortable, then God must be for me. But somehow if things are not going my way and, and I'm experiencing hardship and difficulty, then somehow I'm, I've slipped out from under God's blessing. I must be outside of God's will and the way that he wants me to live. And so today I want to take a look at what God's will is not. And then I want to look at what God's will really is and how we can actually learn to walk in that in our lives. So first of all, and I encourage you if you're taking notes, write this down. God's will is not a feeling. It's not a feeling. God's plan for your life is not an emotional sensation that you feel. That it's just, okay, if I, if I just have the right feeling, that must be it, okay? And I say that because there are many things in life that affect how we feel. Lots of things affect how we feel. Music affects our emotions. Um, things people say affect our emotions. 
Different medications affect our emotions. Hormones affect our emotions. And if you're going to base God's will for your life simply on feelings, then you are setting yourself up for an emotional roller coaster of a life. The highest of highs and the lowest of lows, right? You're going to make some dangerous life decisions. There are people throughout history who have actually harmed other people because they felt that this is what God told them to do. And it was a feeling that they had. Doesn't mean they were in God's will. There are people who've run for president and said, I just felt God told me to do it. There are people who get married after two weeks because they just feel that that's what God wants them to do. But God's will is not a feeling. It's not just an emotion. And if you think about different seasons of your life, there are different times in different seasons of your life where you feel differently about the same topic. If God's will changes with your emotions, it's not very stable. Our feelings change all the time. Every time that I'm driving in Rogers, I feel that God wants me to stop at Chipotle and eat a burrito. And so I pray, God, if this is your will, open the center spot right in front of Chipotle. And I pull into the parking lot, and after 18 minutes of circling, it's open. It's unbelievable. Like, yes, thank you, Lord. It's your will. But God's will is not a feeling. It's not an emotion. And if we tie understanding, okay, God, here's how you want me to live with emotions and feelings, then you're really in for some ups and downs and you're going to set yourself up for disappointment. Here's what else God's will is not. God's will is not a mystical thing. All right, it's not some, uh, some mystical thing out there and uh, people who have this mystical approach to life, they're always looking for signs. They're always looking for God to just show up in places and it's like, oh wow, I got to connect 18 different dots and when I do that, surely that's God's will. Uh, I was in the parking lot and the light came on and God just showed me he's the light of my life. As soon as that light came on, or I went for a walk and it was a calm day, but then I felt a breeze and God just spoke to me and said, You're the, I'm the wind beneath your wings. It's not a mystical thing, right? My, my car broke down in front of a Chinese buffet. I guess God wants me to move to China. And if you're looking for some kind of mystical approach to understanding how God wants you to live your life, then you're going to be chasing nonstop. There's going to be times during the course of your life where something crazy happens. And you don't know if it's coincidence or if it's really God's will. And I just can tell you, there are times when God really is working behind the scenes, where God really is doing something, and there are times where it's coincidence. Now, many of you have heard this story, but when we were uh, originally meeting in middle school East uh, several years ago, and we didn't have space because of the, the way that the, it was configured and they had certain rooms that we weren't allowed to use and we were running out of space and we thought, man, we don't know what we're going to do. And so this was our brilliant solution at the time. There was a church meeting in Middle School West and they had a bigger auditorium and they had more classroom space and we thought, well, last chance effort, here's what we'll do. We will call them and ask them if they want to switch schools. What a brilliant solution. You guys have an incredible leader here. And... We just thought, well, this is kind of a last-ditch effort. Literally, the next day, I ran into the pastor of that church at, like, the hardware store. Hey, he said, how's it going? I said, oh, good. I said, actually, I've been meaning to get in touch with you. He's like, I've been meaning to get in touch with you. He said, we are moving out of Middle School West, and we're voting on it this Sunday. And I was like, oh. And then he's like, what did you want to talk about? I was like, ah, nothing. <laughs> we'll just wait and see how that goes. And so he said, oh, I'll let you know how it goes. On Monday, 
I was like wondering, you know, as the church, they were voting to, to move out of Middle School West and relocate. And I was kind of wondering how it went. And before I could even get in touch with him and ask him, the school district called me. And the school district said, hey, we were just notified that this other church is moving out of Middle School West. And we think Middle School West would be a better fit for your church. Would you guys consider moving? And I said, oh, man, if it'll help the school district, we'll consider it. And within two weeks, we had relocated from Middle School East to Middle School West. Now, here's the deal. I got to tell you, when I look back on that, I genuinely believe that God was working behind the scenes on our behalf. That God was doing something, that working through the transition of one church and the, and the transition of another church, and that God was really working behind the scenes. But there are going to be times where God seems active. In that particular situation, God was working. There's going to be other times where it's not a mystical thing. You can take the Bible and rub it on your head and you're not going to grow hair. Right? It's not a mystical thing. Sometimes it's not an image of Jesus' face. It's just a Dorito. It's just a piece of toast. So here's the deal. God's will is not a mystical thing. But sometimes God works behind the scenes to prepare the path, to open the door, so that you can walk through it. There's going to be times where God seems active and you just can't explain it. But don't be waiting for mystical things to happen in your life. That's not how God works. Now, here's the other thing. Number three, God's will is not a blueprint. It's not a blueprint. Think about a blueprint. If you're building your house, you, you can't suddenly decide, I want to move this wall five feet to the left. What does that do to the rest of the blueprint? It screws things up pretty badly, right? Once the blueprint is set... Everything is dependent and it's, it's exact in its measurements and everything goes exactly where it needs to go. And if you move something, if you move a wall, if you move a post, if you move the, you know, it affects the rest of the design. And there's this domino effect where it actually starts to come unraveled. You can't just suddenly decide to do that because it affects everything. God doesn't try to control every single aspect of our lives. But I think sometimes we think, okay, God, this is God's will right? And it's like this blueprint. And if I miss God's will in one area of my life, I can never get back on track. Now there's this domino effect and I missed that window. It's like, you know, does God have one perfect person for everyone to marry? Well, I promise you somewhere along the way, somebody messed it up and you missed it. And so here's the reality. God's will is not a blueprint. If that's how we view God's will, then we're going to spend a lot of time living in fear and wondering, did I miss it? Did I miss it? Did I miss God's will? Am I really living God's will? Is this what God wants for me? We, we end up with back to the future syndrome, right? You know what back to the future syndrome is, is where the entire time and space continuum gets all out of order and it's out of whack because of the one decision that we made and now we can't unravel everything that's done. And when we think God has that one perfect career, or that one perfect spouse, or that one perfect path, and somehow we missed it, and now we can never go back, and everything that we do, the dominoes have already fallen. And all we can do is try to live our life. We can never get back in the center of God's will. That time-space continuum is forever out of whack. And I got to tell you, that's how a lot of followers of Jesus think. They think God's got this, this ordered path for your life, and somehow if I mess it up, then I can never, I can never get back. But I got to tell you, throughout the Scriptures— God is a God who redeems things. God is a God who takes our mistakes and he makes something beautiful out of them. That is who this God is. See, God's will is not a blueprint. God's will is really more of a game plan. 
There's a huge difference between a blueprint and a game plan. If you follow any sport, you know there's a game plan. Think about football. There's tons of different options on every single play. There's the original play that's called, and yet within the field of play, inside of the boundary lines, there's a lot of freedom. So sometimes the quarterback has to call an audible. And sometimes uh, the defensive line breaks through, or sometimes they jam up your initial receiver, and, and you've got the option to pitch it to the running back, or throw it out to the flat, or maybe just run yourself. All kinds of options for you. Within any play, there's a lot of freedom to make choices. There's still boundaries. You still have to play within the boundaries of the field, but within the field of play, there is a lot of freedom for you to make choices in real time. God's will is a lot more like a game plan than it is a blueprint. Is, is this God's will that I buy this house? Is this God's will that I, that I move here, that I have this career, that I marry this person, that I eat at this restaurant? God gives us a lot of freedom to choose, to make decisions as long as we're within the boundaries. Love God, trust God, love others. Those are the things that matter. I love what it, uh, David writes in Psalm 37. He says, take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. God is not against you using your free will. So what do you do? How do, how do you determine that, right? You've been dating someone for three years and you love her, but you're trying to find out, is she the one? Is this, God, is this your perfect will? And God would say, well, do you love her? Will you be faithful to her? Will you, will you treat her with love and respect? Will you serve her and sacrifice for her? Then get married. Do what you want to do. Oh, she's already married? It's not my will. <laughs> Stay away. I, I have this opportunity to move to Florida for work, but my family's here and I'm really torn about what to do. God, I just wish that you could just speak to me in a clear, audible voice. God says, live where you want to. It's up to you. Do, do you want to live somewhere beautiful and incredible like Minnesota? Or die in the heat of Florida? As a matter of fact, when we started Westbridge, it wasn't because God gave me some big grand vision and God spoke to me in an audible voice and said, Jeremiah, move to St. Michael. Start Westbridge, church. It wasn't like that at all. I already lived in St. Michael. I already lived here, and I wanted to do more than I was already doing to serve God's church. In fact, even when we named the church Westbridge Church, I love every once in a while, people go, man, I love that. It's Westbridge, and we're in the western suburbs, and we're bridging people to God and to other people, and I'm always just like, totally. You get it. You get it. The reality is, we searched for domain names that were available. And westbridgechurch.com was available. This was not a Holy Spirit thing, all right? Register.com named the church. That's all it was. God's will is not a mystical thing. He goes, yeah, call it what you want to. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying God doesn't care about anything that you do. I'm just saying that within the boundaries of loving him and following him and loving others, God gives us a lot of freedom to make decisions about where you want to live and what you want to do for work and who you're going to marry and what kind of music you want to listen to, right? And, and how many kids to have and where to go to church and on and on and on and on. Don't expect what is rare. Sometimes characters in the Bible, we think, okay, well, God spoke to them and it seems like God spoke to them very clearly. And, and we'll point to a story like Moses and God showed up in a burning bush. And all of a sudden we go, well, that's, that's the norm. God spoke to Moses in a burning bush after he wandered in a wilderness for 40 years looking after sheep. Don't expect what is rare and uncommon to be the norm in your life. Don't look at one instance in the scriptures and go, how come God doesn't speak to me in a burning bush? 
the norm is that God gives us a lot of freedom as long as we operate within the guidelines that God has given us. And so, uh, what are these guidelines? Here's some simple guidelines to help us as we make decisions about how to live our lives. The first one is this. What has God clearly commanded? Like, what's clear? What is it that God says, clearly don't violate this principle. Don't violate this command. We want thunder and lightning and the voice of the Lord. But God says, no, I've revealed myself through Jesus. I've revealed myself through the scriptures. And there are some things that are very, very, very clear. Don't kill. Don't steal. Don't lie. Don't read Harry Potter books. Right? Some stuff just clear as day. See, I, I, I don't have to pray about whether or not to tell the truth. God, there's this situation, and, I, you know, should I be truthful? God says, yeah, I've, that's, that's already a very clear command. I've, I've instructed you, don't lie to your neighbor. I, I, don't, I don't have to pray whether or not I should cheat on my taxes. God's been very, very clear about that. I don't have to pray about whether or not to forgive someone. God's been very clear about that. Forgive others as I have forgiven you. Uh, I could justify it, but God has already clearly communicated to us on certain things. And most of the time, my issue is not whether or not I understand God's will. Most of the time, my issue is that I don't actually want to obey what I know God has already clearly commanded. That's what's the most difficult part. But here's what David says in Psalm 119. He says, Your word is like a lamp that guides my steps, a light that shows the path I should take. The reason that we have the scriptures, the reason that God reveals himself through the scriptures and through Jesus is so that we can understand the guidelines that God wants us to operate in. God will never give you a, a special revelation that goes directly against what he's already commanded in the scriptures. So you check everything against what he's already revealed about himself, what he's already clearly commanded. Let me give you some examples. Here's some simple examples. First, that we do good deeds. This is just a clear command, that we live our lives in such a way that we do good to others. That's just a clear command. And God's not interested in what you believe in as much as he is interested in how you live those beliefs. God, God isn't saying, you better believe all the right stuff. He wants you to follow him and learn to trust him. And God cares about how your faith in him is leading to action. Is it actually making a difference in the world? God's more concerned that we do good in the world than he is with where we work or who we marry or where we live and all those specifics. There's a prayer that the Apostle Paul prays and he's uh, writing to a group of people living in Colossae. And here's this prayer. He says, We have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. He says, when you understand God's will, the natural outflow of that is that you do good things for others, that you actually make a difference in the world, that there is fruit from that. What you notice throughout the prayers, Paul, Paul prays for them to have the knowledge of God's will, not the solution to all of life's problems. He doesn't ask for that. And, and when they understand God's will, part of God's will for everyone is to live a life that pleases God and that serves other people. And throughout history, many Christians get misled into thinking that the way to make an impact in the world is simply to vote a certain political candidate or to, you know, uh, live a really moral life. Just believe the right things and live a really good moral life. But the rest of the world doesn't really care what you believe. They care how you love. 
They care how we treat people. They care what we do in our community. Good deeds, serving other people, lends credibility to the love and grace of Jesus. That's why Jesus said this, in the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. If you're ever wondering, what what can I do to be in the center of God's will? Serve other people. Do good things for other people. We can know that we're in God's will anytime that we're doing good things for others. Here's another one, that we get to know God better. That's part of, you never have to question that. Can I put myself in environments where I get to know God better? The better that you know a person, the the more time that you spend with them, the more that you learn to trust them, the longer that you spend consistently walking with God and obeying the things that you know to do, the more your faith grows. And so, again, in this prayer that Paul prays in the next verse, he says this, All the while, you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. You don't have to wonder, is this something that God wants for my life, that I should spend time with Him, and that I should put myself in environments where I learn more about Him and His character? That's already in here. Anytime you're obeying something that you know to be true from God, your faith grows and you begin to know God better and better. Anytime you put yourself in an environment where you can learn more about God and His character, you can know that you're in the center of God's will. That's why it's so important to participate somewhere along the way with a group of people who are moving in the same direction you are spiritually. That's why we do groups here. So that you have an opportunity to get together with a group of people who know you and love you and can begin to encourage you and instill courage to move forward in the direction that God has for your life. That's why Sundays are so important. Whether you're here in the room or you're uh, participating in our online campus, all of these things, this is an, an opportunity for you to get to know God better. And anytime that you take some time and you try to get to know God better, you're in God's will. Here's another one, that we endure tough times. Oftentimes we think if we're in the center of God's will, everything will work out great. And I don't know where we got such a safe theology from such a dangerous message. Jesus was put to death. The the central sort of symbol of the Christian faith is a cross, which is an instrument of death. We celebrate communion and we remember the death and resurrection of Jesus. These elements that we receive together are the broken body and spilled blood of Jesus. We celebrate baptism, which represents the the burial of the old self in a watery grave. I don't know where we develop such a safe theology from such a dangerous message. And sometimes, as followers of Jesus, totally within the boundaries of God's will, we find ourselves stressed out and uncomfortable and struggling and discouraged. Your lack of comfort does not mean that you are not outside of the will of God. Paul continues his prayer. He says, We also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power so you will have all the endurance and patience you need. God never promises freedom from hardship. Instead, he he gives us this command to endure, recognizing it's often through enduring that our faith actually grows. But enduring is difficult. So instead, oftentimes what we pray is this prayer, God, change the situation. But what would actually be more in line with God's will is that we would pray, God, give me the strength to endure. God, help me to develop grace as a result of this difficult relationship. God, help me to develop patience. Help me to endure the pain of this difficult situation so that I can come out of this season more like you. Here's another one, that we develop gratitude. 
Gratitude is one of those things that's really hard to develop, particularly in our culture because we already have so much. And so we are way more focused on pursuing what we want than being thankful for the things that we already have. It's part of living in the American culture, but every single time that you look at what you have and you just express gratitude to God, that is God's will. Again, Paul continues, he says, May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. I was sitting on my deck this last week, sipping a cup of coffee, and beautiful day, and I just went, man, I do not deserve this. I am undeserving. And I just, my heart was filled with gratitude. I just said, God, thank you. I, man, I do not deserve this. And you never have to wonder. God wants you to express gratitude. Anytime you're expressing gratitude for the things God has given you, you are in the center of God's will. Now, these are just a few examples of what it means to follow God's clear commands. And anytime you're following God's clear commands, you are in the center of God's will. But here's the question. Will I look at those things as clear commands from God, or do I view them as simply good advice? And Will I let God's clear commands guide me? Or will I go, oh, that's, that's good advice. I may or may not do that. If it's good advice, then you'll simply take the parts that fit well with the way that you're already living life, and you'll leave the rest. But if I'm willing to allow God's clear commands to actually be my guide, even that, when that means I'm forced to change my lifestyle, to line up my life with God's clear commands, then I'll be living the way that God wants me to live. Otherwise, praying for God's will in certain areas of our life really makes no sense if God has already spoken to us and given us a clear command and we've chosen to ignore it and live life in a different way. So start there. What are God's clear commands? What has God clearly already commanded? These are some examples. Here's the second thing. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Now I know you go, okay, listen to the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? That's such a churchy answer. That's the, that's the preacher answer. When you and I place our faith in Jesus, when we said yes to his grace, when we said, God, I, I want to follow you, the scripture has promised, Jesus promised, that he would put his Holy Spirit in us. That, that God isn't just with us, that God didn't just come to us, and, but that he's actually given us his Holy Spirit to guide us and to lead us. And sometimes his Holy Spirit convicts us. It's, it's, that, it's that feeling that we have that we just know this is wrong. Or it's the, it's the wisdom that we bump into and we go, man, I need to follow that. And God's Holy Spirit gives us insight and understanding into how to live. And that can be frustrating. Because if God's Spirit is in me, uh, why do I not have more spiritual understanding? If God's Spirit is in me, why does God sometimes feel so far away? Why does it seem like His voice is unclear? And I think it's because we live such a busy life. The busyness of this life. And sometimes... The sins that we refuse to deal with. God's going, here, here's how I want you to live. And we go, ah, no thanks. And then we wonder, why, why can't I hear his Holy Spirit? And the Holy Spirit's going, no, no, no. And you go, ah, no thanks. In Romans 12, Paul says this, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then... If you allow yourself to change the way that you think, if you'll be open to something new, he says, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. 
We want answers to the big questions of life. And God is saying, look, I just want you to keep taking that next right step of obedience. That thing I'm already speaking to your heart about, the thing that I'm already telling you, this is the way to live. My spirit is leading you to forgive someone and you just refuse to forgive. My, my Holy Spirit is leading you to apologize to someone and you refuse to apologize. My spirit is leading you to encourage someone and yet you don't seem to have the time. My spirit is challenging you to be more generous, but you want to hold on to everything that you have. My spirit is leading you to serve others, but you don't want to spend your time investing in that way. You don't want to sacrifice your preferences or your time. In 1 Thessalonians, Paul writes this, Do not stifle the Holy Spirit. Do not scoff at prophecies, but test everything that is said. Hold on to what is good. Stay away from every kind of evil. When God's Spirit is speaking to you, nudging you, and you know this is something that God wants me to do, I can, I can tell that this is my next right step of obedience. Don't ignore that. That's God's Spirit guiding you and leading you. When we take the time to listen to the leading of God's Spirit, God transforms our thinking and His ways become more obvious to us. Now here's the third area that I think is really important. Listen to the wise advice of others. Listen to the wise advice of others. You start with the clear commands of God. God, this is clear. The scriptures have already commanded this. You said it. This is really clear. And then you pray and you ask God's Holy Spirit to speak to you and you check that against the scriptures because God's Spirit will never direct you to do something that goes against what God has already revealed about himself in the scriptures. And then third, you, you learn not to be afraid of the wise advice of people in your life that you trust. God doesn't only speak through spiritual leaders. He speaks through people in your life who you trust and whose life you want to emulate. Some great Proverbs here says, pride leads to conflict, but those who take advice are wise. And haven't you found that to be true in your own life? That pride ultimately leads to conflict, but when you sit down and you listen to the wise advice of others, it actually helps you. Another one says this, wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. Sometimes you have to have a hard conversation with a friend and, and it feels like they've wounded you a little bit, but you know that what they're speaking to you is the truth. And they're speaking it in love. And that's why we need to be involved in groups. That's why we surround ourselves with people who know us, who can speak life to us, who can sometimes challenge our thinking because you need to have people in your life who are moving in the same direction spiritually so that you have a built-in support system when you need wisdom. When you bump into something in life and you need some godly wisdom, if you haven't already built that network of friends, it's very difficult to do retroactively. Make the decision to put yourself in a position where you're moving in the same direction with people spiritually. And then when you need wise advice, they will be there to lean on. See, here's the bottom line. God blesses disciples, not decisions. God blesses disciples, not decisions. Here's what that means. We're worried about the decision. Oh God, should I marry this person? Should I move there? Should I work there? Should I spend this? Should I do that? God's worried about are we trusting him and following him? He's more worried about us than the decision. He blesses a disciple, someone who's following him, not just a decision we make. We're worried about what's happening out there around us. God is most concerned about what's happening within us. God doesn't care where you work nearly as much as he cares how you do your work. God doesn't care who you marry nearly as much as he cares about how you treat your spouse, how you do marriage. God doesn't care about, you know, where you live as much as he cares about how you live. 
So if you're facing a tough decision and you want to know, God, what is your will for me in this particular area of my life? You have a lot of freedom to do what you want to do. And maybe you'd say, well, this is one of those moments where I really need God's clear direction. Start with the clear commands of God. God, what have you clearly already commanded? Is there anything I'm missing? Then pray and say, God, will your Holy Spirit speak to me? I don't want to ignore the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to pause and I'm going to listen and, and I want to be open to whatever your Holy Spirit might be leading me in. And then lean on the wise counsel of others. Lean on the wise advice of others and stay within those guidelines of God's clear commands, the Holy Spirit, and the wise wisdom of others. And here's my prayer for us as we do this. This is a prayer from Psalm 143. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. May your gracious spirit lead me forward on a firm footing. That's what we want. But God's will is not a blueprint. It's a game plan. And God is most concerned with who you're becoming. And God is most concerned that you are a part of his family. God wants you to trust him and follow him. And maybe you've never heard it put this way, but one of the best decisions you can make is to follow Jesus. Here's what that means. It just means that you acknowledge, okay, God, I believe that you sent your son into the world. That at the right time in human history, Jesus came into the world in human flesh. He showed us what God is like. He showed us how to live. He showed us how to love. And then he was put to death. His body was laid in a tomb. And what we discover through multiple eyewitness accounts is that Jesus actually rose from the dead. And here's what that means. Death is not the end. You and I have been invited to be a part of God's family. We've been invited to follow the way of Jesus with how we live our lives. And if you've never said yes to that invitation, what you need to know is it isn't something you behave your way into. But once you start following Jesus, you're saying, God, I'm giving you control of the steering wheel of my life. I want to, I want to lean into your way of living as best as I know how. Not as a prerequisite to relationship, but because you've invited me into this relationship, and now that I'm a part of this relationship with you, I want to follow your way of living because I trust you. And maybe you've never heard that before, but if you're here today or if you're joining us online and you would like to say yes to the invitation to follow Jesus, you can do that by just agreeing with this prayer as we close. God, please forgive my sins. Forgive me for the times that I've walked away from you. Thank you that you continually walk in my direction, that you pursue me. And I, I pray, make me your son, make me your daughter and help me to not only continue to trust you, but to follow you. I want to say yes to that invitation to follow you. And I pray, help me to do that as best as I know how from this moment on. And God, we pray for each and every one of us. We want to follow you with our lives. We, we don't want our life to be a game of whack-a-mole that's always reacting in the moment. We want our lives to be centered around who you want us to be, but we pray that you would help us to lean into those clear commands and the guidance of your Holy Spirit and the wise advice of others. And as we make decisions, may our decisions reflect your love, your grace into this world. We thank you and commit our day to you and we pray this in your name. Amen.